back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 102. I'm your host, Jim Hogg. And in this session, we're going to pick up on Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, and we're going to go through the rest of this short letter to the Philippians. So, unless you are driving, turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, and let's look at the end of this verse 12. Hold on to your hats, folks. In case you're still clinging to the notion that Paul has the idea that once you're saved, you're always saved, and that your works have nothing to do with your salvation, this is the verse this is the piece de resistance here. Let's look at the second part of Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Please, please, please underline this verse where Paul says, get this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So what's the first word there, right? Work. He doesn't just say, pray out your salvation. He says, work out your salvation. So to be clear, for the umpteenth time, Catholic teaching states that we begin the salvation process with, with our baptism when, when we uh, receive the Holy Spirit into, into our lives but that we must accept the free gift that Christ gives us. We must accept it. We must cooperate with that free gift. And we must persevere uh, until the end with what he has given us. Okay, so work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, now, um, uh, let's camp out on these words, fear and trembling. Recognize that words change uh, meaning over time. And probably we're not talking about fear like, oh, be afraid that God's going to hit you with a bolt of lightning or something like that while you're alive. Um, <clears throat> rather, perhaps a, a, a better way of saying that, if, if, if Paul were to say that today, would be, this is serious stuff, you know. Uh, think of the awe, A-W-E, of, of, of God and what he has done for you and trembling. In other words, this is serious stuff here. This is the main point of our life is to walk with the Lord and thus spend eternity with him in heaven. It's not to be taken lightly. It's not to be taken as something in third or fourth or even second place in our priorities in this life. So we work out, that is to say, we cooperate with God, with, with the graces that he has given us, with the gift that he has given us, we, we persevere to the end in that, and we put him first with fear and trembling, that is to say, with awe, with seriousness, with a purpose there. What is your number one purpose in life? It should be to get to heaven and, by the way, to help as many others as you can in their journey to heaven as well. 
For God is the one who, with his good purpose, works in you both to desire and to work. So it's God is even responsible for your desire to continue on in the faith, but yet you need to cooperate with that, okay? And um, so do everything without grumbling or questioning. Paul goes on and talks about the joy that he has and the joy that we should have with him. Again, Paul writing this from a prison, and yet he is still filled with joy. Uh, Verse 30 of chapter 2 says, Because for the sake of the work of Christ, he he came close to death. Well, he's talking about one of his assistants there. And uh, the person that he's referring to, his uh, his co-worker Epaphroditus, is um, you know just filled filled with joy uh, because he is serving the Lord. Okay, next doctrinal thing that we want to touch on is um, you know how should we assess the things of this world versus the things of of our future. Let's look at that in chapter 3, verse 8. He says, now this is written by Paul. He's in prison, etc. Oh, by the way, backing up to verse 6, he says, In zeal I persecuted the church. We studied this before. Uh, If if you're curious what he means by that, we already talked about this at the end of Acts 7 and the beginning of Acts chapter 8. We see how Paul did persecute the church prior to his own conversion to Christianity. Now we'll move on to uh, uh, verse 8. Uh, and he's, uh, again, how does Paul consider the things of this world, the importance of the things of this world, compared with eternity? Let's look at that. Verse 8, I even consider everything as a loss because of the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have accepted the loss of all things, and I consider them so much rubbish. I want you to underline all of this verse 8, but I want you to circle the word rubbish, and there's a reason for that. I consider them so much rubbish that I may gain Christ. Well, um, after you've underlined the verse and circled the word rubbish, now I'll tell you why. The word that he uses in the, in the Greek, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's skubala, S-K-U-B-A-L-A. To be polite, uh, I would urge you to Google that word to see what he really means by it. But I'll give you a little spoiler alert, and I'll try to clean this up as much as I can. The word that he uses here, where he's saying rubbish, literally means excrement. Okay? Excrement. So uh, he's saying the things of this world are like a big steaming pile of excrement compared with the things that uh, we receive when we gain Christ and, uh, you know, ultimately, um, you know, our resur- you know, uh, go, go to heaven there. So, uh, and, and think of this in your own life. Some of the, think back on your own life. Five years ago, some of the things that you may have been really interested in five years from now, 
uh, you might not even think about now or might be of significantly less importance. But I promise you, um, your view of eternity will, or at least should, increase as you get closer to the end of your mortal life. So try to put that in perspective. You know, when Paul says literally, hey, the things of this world are, you know, just a, a, a pile of excrement compared to, uh, to Christ, you know, that might put things in, uh, in perspective for you. It seems important because you got to get through every day. And we spend a lot of our time in this world just trying to get through the day. But uh, remember what the goal is at the, at the uh, you know, with, with your life. Okay, um, lest you think that Paul thinks he's already got his ticket punched for heaven, he says in verse 12, <clears throat> the second part, I continue my pursuit in hope that I may possess it, uh, since I have indeed been taken possession of by Christ. Brothers, I, for my part, do not consider myself to have taken possession. Just one thing, forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead. Then verse 14, I continue my pursuit towards the goal, the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. So, you know, if you, uh, if you want to underline uh, verse 12, 13, and 14, it's pretty clear that Paul sees that salvation requires perseverance to the end. You know, it's just like running a race, right? You got to run the entire race. You can't run halfway, you know, halfway uh, through the race and then you're ahead of everybody else and say, well, I'm ahead. It's halfway through. I think I'll just stop running. I don't need to stop running anymore. No, we run the race to the, to the end and not be like um, those of us who are, um, you know, have, have the wrong goal and think that this is, this world is all there is. He's, he has some more choice language for those folks in verse 19 of chapter three. He says, their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their minds are occupied with earthly things. Verse 20, but our citizenship is where? In heaven. See, we are not earthly bodies with, with a temporary spiritual experience. We're the opposite. We are ultimately going to be heavenly bodies with a temporary earthly experience. Our citizenship is in heaven. I want you to underline that at the beginning of verse 20. And he reminds us in verse 21, he will change our lowly body to conform with his gloried body. So something to look forward to there. He continues on in chapter four, urging us to rejoice and rejoice. He repeats himself a number of, a number of times. He urges us to, to think about in, you know, in verse eight, think about whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious. 
you know, the, if we fill our minds with good thoughts, they will crowd out the bad thoughts. You know, the things that you think about are the things that you tend to do, right? And so now here's some more encouragement for, uh, for us, particularly if you're struggling a little bit, uh, you know, financially or materially. This is Paul's own life now. He's a pretty smart guy, right? But he gave all that up to go around and uh, follow and spread spread the gospel. He says, I have, uh, now we're in verse 11 of chapter four. I have learned in whatever situation I find myself to be one, uh, you know, one uh, translation says self-sufficient, but a better translation is, I have learned in whatever situation I find myself to be content, you know? So if you're a millionaire, okay, great. If you're just struggling to get by, okay, be content because why? Because this world is not our home. Refer you back to chapter three, verse 20, right? Paul continues on in verse 12. I know indeed how to live in humble circumstances. I know also how to live with abundance. And in my life, in my own personal Jim Hawk life, I've had both. And I can honestly tell you, um, I am happier now, though I have gotten rid of a lot of the things that uh, were in abundance on, on this earth. You know, you, you think you own things and you find out that the things own you, particularly a house, right? The bigger the house that you have, the more concern that you have about it, you know, the more, the longer it takes to clean, the, the more expensive it is to keep it up, etc. He continues on, in every circumstance and in all things, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and and of going hungry, of living in abundance, and of being in need. Now, here's a great verse here, verse 13. I have the strength for everything through him who empowers me, or said a better way in the Revised Standard Version, Catholic Edition, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. And you might want to consider um, having that verse uh, verse 13, um, maybe done in calligraphy and then put that up on your, on your wall as an encouragement to you in your Christian walk. I would prefer the Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition translation of that verse. Uh, once again, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. And in that, in that small sentence, I want to emphasize the words in him doesn't mean you can do all things. It doesn't mean I can throw a baseball 120 miles an hour or hit it 500 feet or something. It means I can do all things in him. I can do something to, to further God's kingdom by telling others about Christ, by being a good witness by my own actions and behaviors and efforts. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. And um, so, uh, you know, can consider that. Now we come to verse 15, where we see why Philipp the Philippians is probably uh, Paul's favorite church. 
and he doesn't lecture them to the degree that he lectures some of the other churches we've, we've come to. Um, he says in verse 15, You Philippians indeed know that at the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, not a single church shared with me in an account of giving and receiving, except you alone. So he likes them uh, for that. And um, then he encourages them further in verse 19. My God will fully supply whatever you need in accord with his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, I hasten to add uh, in verse 19, that's not necessarily on this earth because our basic need is what? To get to heaven. And if we accept Christ, if we walk with him, if we persevere with him, if we live for him, then, um, you know, we will, we, he will meet that basic need of, of going to heaven. Well, my friends, that concludes Paul's letter to the Philippians. Um, so let's consider this uh, as we go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for this encouragement that Paul gives us in this letter, that even while he was in prison, he is joyful, and he urges us to be joyful regardless of whatever problems we're facing on this earth, because we know for one thing that uh, he will more than make up for any trouble on this earth when we find our ultimate home in, in heaven. So he's able to do that. And help us to be like Paul and to be content in all circumstances. We know that all of us will go through things from time to time, sometimes for an extended period of time, but um, to, to be content in the sense that we know uh, that our citizenship is in heaven, as Paul re reminds us there. So um, help us to, uh, as Paul so colorfully says here, to consider the things of this world, uh, shall we say, rubbish, uh, relative to what you have to offer for us and to order our lives accordingly. Give us the strength to do that and the grace to do that. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come back with us next time, and we'll continue on um, in our next study, which will be the letter of, to the Colossians. Mm -hmm.